Innovation happens in the blink of an eye. And to understand the implications, you need a credible source that helps to make sense of it all. Stay up to date on the most pressing innovation issues shaping the world today by subscribing to Better Innovation, a podcast featuring top management strategists, policymakers, and leading innovation thought leaders from across the globe. Going into its sixth season, Better Innovation, hosted by Jeff Saviano, a global innovation leader with EY, delves into how innovative technologies like blockchain, artificial intelligence, digital currencies, and the promise of Web 3.0 are transforming the global landscape. Featuring elite guests like Jeremy Allaire, CEO of Circle Financial, authors Whitney Johnson and Rita McGrath, former U.S. Cabinet member Andrew Card, and a number of leading MIT scientists. Subscribe today and hear more from these distinguished guests. Subscribe to Better Innovation on your favorite podcast platform. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. I promised an episode on Friday. So I am here on a Friday with an episode. And like I said in my last episode, I'm going to be publishing three episodes a week now. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I've got so much awesome content that is stacked up and it needs to get out to your ears. So I'm going to make that happen um, going full steam ahead on the podcasting. Today's guest is awesome. So excited to share this with you. I'm speaking with Jen Donovan. Jen Donovan is a podcaster and I highly recommend checking out her podcast. It's called Small Business Made Simple. She also runs a massive Facebook group, like Facebook group empire called Buy From A Bush Business. Awesome initiative. It's about what it says it is, promoting buying from a bush business. Uh, And Jen is also a self-professed social media and marketing nerd. So lots of great tips in here for marketing. Also just good vibes. Like if you're feeling down about your business or frustrated Um, We have a lot of laughs and I think that's really, really important at the moment. I think it's really important that uh, we have the opportunity to laugh at ourselves and we talk about some of the mistakes we've made as podcasters and, you know, it made me think a lot about how, you know, so many of us think that we need to be perfect when we're doing something like this, right? Like we have to present this like person, this person, the person, perfect, (laughs) front you know that we have to get everything right first go and uh you know Jen and I just talk about that we talk about some of some of the the big mistakes we've made so I think you guys will really enjoy this episode if you do like this episode please share it with a friend or multiple friends even better uh it really helps to promote this show which as I mentioned last time has no sponsor so my business was sponsoring this But I've decided to go in a really different direction with like my life, basically. What I realized is like, this is what I love to do. I love to podcast. I love to interview. I love to do video content. I'm on YouTube as well. If you haven't uh, checked me out and you like this content, you're probably going to like my YouTube content too. So uh, go check that out as well. YouTube.com slash C slash Lauren Cress. I do some other stuff on there as well about like science and philosophy as well as the brand and business stuff. So having a lot of fun doing like YouTube live streams and LinkedIn live streams and podcasting and everything. And yeah, so this podcast is free. However, it would really help me out if you have the means to do it. Uh, If you could buy me a cup of coffee 
as a once-off thing or as a once-a-month thing, if you enjoy listening to this show, uh, it's one, it's great for me to know that there's value in what I'm doing uh, for you. You can claim it as a business expense because of, I think, I mean, I'm not a tax person. <laughs> I don't want to open myself up to liability there, but this is business education, right? Uh, so I would think you could uh, speak to your tax accountant. Do not take my advice. <laughs> For it, but if you could shout me a coffee, that would be awesome because, um, you know, collectively it really starts to make a difference. So, yeah, if you want to do that, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can go to kofi.com. It's k o fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. And then the other thing I'm basically doing is, uh, I sort of am, am like an interviewer for hire. So if you're kind of been thinking about, oh, I want to start a podcast, but actually I don't want to interview people. I want to share my knowledge or you want to put together a video series or you want to put together a blog series, uh, book in a chat with me. Let's talk about what you want to do because um, my fees are very reasonable. And what I'm doing is sort of like helping to get all the best insights out of your head and onto somewhere into some sort of recording, whether that's on Zoom, whether that's in studio, whether that's after a live event, not right now, but in the future, get all that great stuff out of your head so you can put together whatever content you want to, or you can outsource that as well, right? So once we get all that great insight out of your head, uh, then we can kind of create like a whole year's worth of content. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, visit laurencrest.com to find out more, book in a call with me and we can chat about that as well. Okay. I've done all my mandatory stuff. This is, that's it for all the promo stuff. Um, really appreciate anything you can do to help me grow this podcast and, oh yeah. And please like and review it as well. That's awesome. Okay. So back to Jen, uh, check out Jen's LinkedIn if you want to find out more about her and what she's doing. Currently, she's got a mini marketing makeover webinar, uh, which is coming up on Tuesday, the 14th of July. I'll put a link uh, to her LinkedIn and also put a link uh, to find out more about that webinar as well. Have a beautiful weekend and I hope you enjoy the show today. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress, the business scientist here and joining me this afternoon is the amazing Jen Donovan. I'm so excited to be talking to you, Jen, because you have achieved sort of like the ultimate in terms of social media, in terms of like your Facebook community and stuff. I think like a lot of people want to be in your position. Um, So maybe to start with, can you just share a little bit about your story and your successes? Because they are pretty incredible. Thanks, Lauren. Um, I think everybody wants something until they get it, perhaps, is the um, motto of today. Um, So, yeah, I am, my name is Jen Donovan. Um, I have a business called Social Media and Marketing Australia. Um, And I have a podcast called Small Business Made Simple. And that's kind of my philosophy for my entire business. That and No Point Dreaming Small. They're the two things that just keep threading through everything that I do in business. But I actually started off in law. So law is where my career started way back, you know, out of uni. And then it kind of progressed to um, my best friend and I having way too much wine to drink one night and we decided to buy a retail shop. So I went from law to retail and she went from looking after people, children with disabilities into retail. So that's kind of 
that decision changed my life forever because that's where my passion for social media and marketing came from. Uh, prior to that, in law, running my own conveyancing firm, I didn't have to do any marketing. I had enough business. I had three little babies. I had more work than I could focus stick at and marketing just wasn't something. Referrals, looking back now, referrals was how I got so busy and being so good at what I did, which I guess is the ultimate for everybody with marketing. But um, yeah, so that's where my passion for marketing and social media came from was uh, you know trying to run a bit retail business and building up a retail business um, to which we sold uh, seven years later so uh, my claim to fame there was we sold it in three days so selling a retail business in a regional area in three days was uh, you know a bit of a feather in our cap I think uh, we kind of had uh, a really good business that sold quite quickly so yeah yeah that is that is amazing. You must have had a lot of people kind of like waiting for you to put the for sale side up on your business or something. <laughs> like that you had that in three days. That is especially and, and like in a regional community as well. I mean, doing business in from a regional center is is different to doing business in the city as well, would you say? Like, can you talk a little bit about uh, you know, what, what's that like when, I mean, you know, regional areas have been affected by floods and by fires, you know, just recently. Um, what, what sort of happens, like, like for people who are like, you know, been in the city, how does business kind of work out in, in the community? Um, and you probably just said it right there. It's all about community. Um, it, I think that is one thing that makes a small business in a regional area become a successful small business is, um, you know, creating that community. I used to talk about, you know, putting a picket fence around my clients and just all my customers back then uh, and really just making them feel loved and um, giving them a reason to shop. But it is different. Like, you know, I, I actually live rurally. I live on a farm. Um, so, you know, I've been a little bit uh, upset with social media watching all these people get all these husbands at a home with all these home renovating and it couldn't have come at a worse time. We're flat out on the farm so I haven't seen my husband for weeks. But, um, you know, there is that sort of old saying that if, um, if farmers don't have money, small towns don't have money and it's so true. So it's kind of giving... Uh, you know, giving back to your community, creating that community. And I must say, one of other than social media, the thing that grew our business the best was email marketing. It worked amazingly for our retail business. And it's definitely a philosophy I've brought into helping my clients. Yeah, that's really interesting, you know, because I think also, and I'm curious about this because you have the business to business experience of, you know, like you said, you didn't really have to market when you were running um, your your law firm, but still, like there's there's marketing in the sense of you know referrals, word of mouth, that kind of thing, and then you know going into retail, which is business to consumer, B to C, it is quite a different sort of world. So, like, did you find that the the types of uh, you know content you had to create, the way you communicated, those types of things, had to change a lot when you moved from B to B to B to C? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And I really, like I said, I really didn't know what marketing was when I had my conveyancing firm. Like literally we didn't, other than having, you know, a bricks and mortar with a sign out the front and, you know, having great relationships with real estate agents and doing a good job, that's kind of how we got our business. And and I guess at the end of the day, we weren't making millions. Like I said, we I had three little children. So it was a mum doing a business with three little babies at the end. So you can imagine, you know, I didn't want uh, nine to ten you know seven days a week type of thing but sort of and so when I went into retail I had no idea and Mm -hmm. my learning curve was a massive it kind of went backwards there for a while um and social media was so new I don't think Instagram even existed LinkedIn I had absolutely no idea what that was about that was a really big mystery for me way back then whereas (laughs) it's almost my favorite platform now I love LinkedIn now yeah LinkedIn has changed a lot actually I have to say uh it when I first got on LinkedIn I think it was well, it was probably one of the later social media platforms I got on because I started off the, doing the whole blogging thing and like so I kind of was like how do I get people to my blog like this is back in like 2007 how do I get people to come to my blog oh like I need to go and talk about it on Facebook okay I guess I'll go do that you know oh Twitter apparently people are using Twitter I probably should do that you know and like and LinkedIn was kind of like I mean even now I talk to people who are like LinkedIn why would I use LinkedIn like I'm like it's awesome (laughs) maybe I'm biased you know I'm on the platform now but (laughs) so you you mentioned community and you know obviously when you had a retail business you're actually in the store speaking with customers you mentioned making them feel important and feel cared for and loved translating that into the online world where, you know, you have a Facebook group now that has, you know, nearly 250,000 members, which is just incredible. Um, and, you you know, you grew that in six months, which I'd, I'd, I'm just like, how did you do that? How did you do that? So did you find, was it was it sort of like just taking that and translating into sort of your online community or was it a bit different in terms of, you know, growing a, an online community versus growing an actual physical sort of, you know, customer community? Yeah, I guess in some ways it is different, but the principles are the same. It's that no like and trust factor. You're still attracting the people who, you know, are excited by what you have to say or that, you know, want to hear more from you type of thing. There is, of course, um, you know, online you do attract all sorts and, you know, there's a bit of weeding out that happens there. And I do, I have two Facebook groups. So I have one that is quite small (laughs) in comparison to the other, but one is very business focused. So it's called like-minded business owners. It's very business focused. It's, It's where I'm kind of building that picket fence around to the people, around my tribe almost. So that's, that sort of group and its purpose um, there is to sort of really help small business owners. Um, And the other one is actually called Buy From A Bush Business. And it sort of, it it grew organically. Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, it was sort of like a thought so um, I started it in the end of October last year. So basically how it came about was uh, buy from a bush was a hashtag at the time and we're starting to get a little bit of trending time you know, down in the Riverina where I live in New South Wales. 
And I had just come off a week-long tour of doing rural towns. So I'd been on the road for a week uh, talking to all sorts of small business owners and they were really a little bit doomy and gloomy heading into Christmas because, like I said, farmers don't have money, towns don't have money. And so Christmas wasn't looking that great. So I was on my way home from Hay, which is a little tiny micro town in um, the Riverina, and I just had this thought that I thought, imagine if I could connect all these people, like I'd met probably 200 people that week that were all small business owners in drought affected areas with like my friends and my friends friends to maybe buy something from them um, at Christmas time and a lot of small business owners that I deal with are micro small business owners so they have a social media presence but not really an email list not really a website which is kind of my job to encourage them to do that and um, so it was this group and I thought if I did a group I could connect the two dots together um, which is how it kind of started so I got home on the Friday night and I headed up the office and I just you know created this group and sent it out to everyone and I remember you you know, so looking back now, it's quite hilarious, you know, with posts in there from me going 10,000 members. Wow, this is awesome. You know, 20,000 members. That's fantastic. And it was kind of like 100,000 members. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Well, yeah, because managing, I mean, 10,000, I mean, I don't know, if I had 10,000 members in a Facebook group, I would be pretty, I would be very self-congratulated, like, yes, look at what I've achieved. And it is an incredible achievement. I mean, even you get 100 people in your group, I think can be, it's, depending on the, the area you're in, it can, you know, it's, it's hard to do. Uh, so yeah, 100,000, I imagine that also completely changes the, um, the ball game. <laughs> yeah yeah look I saw it really change at about the 110,000 mark it really turned into um somewhat of a beast that needed to be controlled so that was about the 110 mark um and like you said I think it's got 246,000 or something in it now so um I'm the sole admin and it does it takes a lot of work um but it's and I guess the reason why it's such a, well, I can say that it's such a successful group because I think um, out of the, say, 240-odd thousand people that are in there, 210 are active. So it's a very, very active group. Um, And basically it's all about people from small business, um, from the bush and rural areas selling their goods and people buying their goods. And um, I would really like to have tracked the money that is going through there um i can't do that um you know i i just can't get that information out of people but i'd be really interested because it's almost an economy all to itself and so it's like the ultimate gift to all the small business owners in the country um being able to you know sell from a platform like that yeah, 100%. It sort of makes me think of like, you know, we're used to having the physical like show your wares kind of thing, you know, like, um, you know, in Sydney, we have the Royal Easter show and you have a bunch of people come into the community to say, this is what we make. And it's always, I mean, it's so, it, and it is amazing to see firsthand, obviously, like the the craft and the work people do firsthand. Is really cool. Yes. But, but having said that, like the online side it's still like, I mean, you know, I've, I've joined the group 
and obviously like I'm not in a in a regional area like well I'm in a regional area but it's a big regional area so I'm not there to sell anything but I'm like I want to buy this stuff some of the work that that comes and you know also feeling like your your money is actually going somewhere that's that support supporting a, a rural or a regional community I think is is amazing as well so um there was a question at the end of that I think I, I think it's sort of like you know it's nice to see things firsthand but I actually believe that a lot of the stuff that we say, oh, no, it has to be face-to-face and it has to be physical, I actually believe we can still get a lot of value from things being virtual. You know, you and I haven't ever met in person we're having this discussion. Do you kind of agree? Do you find that people are, uh, and I know you can't track, you know, how much people are buying and things, but given the size of the group, it seems pretty fair to say that a lot of people are happy to buy goods without seeing them you know, what, what do you think it's really about? What do you think motivates people to, I mean, you know, marketing hat on to purchase like, and to purchase from, from a bush business? Have you kind of found um, some insights around that? Look, I, I probably am just guessing from my experience and, you know, from my expertise, but it's this, it's the feeling. It's the feeling that you get knowing that you are helping a small business owner. It's the feeling that you get to know, you know, you are helping, you know, some of some people are in drought. Some people have been affected by fires, some affected by floods. And, and I really think um, there's a real movement happening uh probably from the drought but also really exacerbated by the fires of people going oh i i want to support my country which is of course again has been exacerbated by covid19 and sort of wanting to drive our own economy rather than you know um not saying anything against um imported goods and things like that and in fact it's a question i get asked a lot inside the group is why can't it be australian made only to which my argument with that is as a past retailer, well, if we made the group or, you know, if we stop offering things to people who um, don't make their own wares, then we'll have ghost towns everywhere because, you know, I don't know of a shop in my town probably more than maybe one or two where things are handmade. Um, mm. yeah, everything is sort of imported, and yet there is still a small business owner. They're still rural. They're still employing people. And I think that's really important to sort of be showing our support for, um, you know, our, our businesses, just not people who handmade things. But it's been a real experience to see and to chat to people over the phone or, you know, through text messages and that of people who um, – didn't have a business beforehand but have a business now so they kind of came across the group and thought oh I'll just put my such and such in there whether it be something they've painted or something they've knitted or whether it be you know something from there hey there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie really my caramel frappe tastes fine nah something's definitely different no difference other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app well that explains it explains what how things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. <laughs> right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. 
Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Actual bricks and mortar shop, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, they've got themselves all these new customers and all this new business. Amazing. So I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, uh, one thing I noticed when you were talking about, you know, this launch just pre-Christmas um, and, you know, with, with the situation that was happening around and also some of the things that you picked up in terms of almost like trends, you know, things that we're seeing in terms of people are starting to vote with their wallet more. People are, are thinking about where they put their money. So for you, was it kind of like looking at um, – you know, you had these 200 conversations. I think this is this is a step that a lot of people miss out on when they go to market. You and I were talking about it just before this, we started recording, right? Which is like, I, I talked to a lot of startups, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs who are kind of in their product development stage and they'll go, oh yeah, but then we just need to do marketing. You know, like it's sort of like this <laughs> afterthought. <laughs> but you kind of need to get to know your market first before you know what, what product or platform or community is going to meet their needs, right? So did you kind of have like a, a process for that or what did you find was so valuable about having all of these conversations with others? I, I guess um, I've been a little bit uh, lucky. I don't know, selfish. I'm not sure what the quite the right word is. But this is great market research for my social media and marketing Australia business because you know I service small business um, customers and small business clients. So to see them and to kind of be able to look at their challenges and have conversations about their challenges, yes, helping them solve their challenges. But that's fantastic market research almost within my picket fence type of thing um yeah. yeah but the probably the biggest thing that I've found which is a little bit worrying as a marketer um is that a lot of people have got all their eggs in a social media basket uh-huh. and you know if you sh- took my group away or if you took social media away their business kind of disappears overnight and that isn't just within my group I think there are a lot of small business owners out there who have everything in the one basket which I think is just such a rookie mistake and you know can end up being quite detrimental. Yeah it's actually I mean it's similar to sort of I think dealing with the COVID-19 crisis is that like I've talked to a lot of business businesses that have been like you know like PT trainers and things like that who said like well yeah like I did lose 50% of business overnight but I'd already been thinking about doing an online training thing and so I kind of knew how to offer that or I had the systems in place or you know other businesses that were like well actually we really streamlined our processes so that we didn't have to do big cutbacks because we already had thought about spending money efficiently. Um, and I think that that kind of just, you're right, like in anything, like diversifying uh, just makes a lot of sense. Now, before we continue this discussion, because I, I don't want to forget it, we do have a question um, from Kartik. Hi, Kartik, how are you going? Because Kartik is actually, we've had a couple of chats. He's awesome. He's all about relationship building and, and joint ventures and things like that. So thank you for the question, Kartik. So it's, what would... What would be your suggestions or tips for building your brand when you are a recruitment agency startup? Do you have any thoughts on that? A recruitment agency startup. Um, 
probably the first word that popped into my head was collaborations you know yeah. who has the same target audience as you do um but isn't a competitor to what you do so that was probably the very first thing that popped into my head was collaborations and uh, you know finding those people um not necessarily trying to spend all your time finding your own your audience but what do you have that someone else um, who has your audience might like and doing a collaboration because of course collaborations have to be win-win they can't be one-sided um, but you know maybe you've got something to offer or a school to offer that someone else is looking for and this is like I mean again like something that we're starting to see emerge like I know um, Collabosaurus is like really big on looking you know how like brands and and businesses uh, sorry Brands and influencers can come together. Brand and influencers? Yes. Brand and influencers can come together and, and collaborate. Um, I also think it's like this, you know, we, we now are at this point where we don't have to have these big mammoth companies anymore. So, like, the way that we can work together feels like it's becoming more and more flexible. Well, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Like, you know, you said, well, you know, there has to be this to and fro. There has to be these these sort of two sides of this. From your experience, have you found that there's a good way to kind of have those conversations? I mean, you've got the, the law understanding as well, which probably helps a little bit. <laughs> like, what should I say? What can't I say? What, what puts me at risk, you know? Um, what, what would be sort of your, your tips there in terms of looking at, at collaborating? Um, I, I guess other than having it be win-win, cause obviously it has to be, there's two sides to the equation and um, brand values, it would be huge for me, you know, fair enough. They might have the same audience as me, but do they have the same brand values as me? And yeah, that, that would actually be really important to me. And I guess that opens up the whole, you know, do you even know what your brand values are? Um, you know, I know a couple of times I've said to people, you know, about collaborations and, you know, do the brand values match yours? And they've kind of looked at me with that, you know, glassy sort of face of, I'm not quite sure what my brand values are. And I think, you know perhaps you just haven't articulated them and written them down and had them out there for the world to see which I think is really really important at the end of the day we should definitely be um, putting our brand values out there but um, I'm just going to step back just one steps and how you were saying you know how um, people have these ideas and it's like now I just need some good marketing my mentor that I had for many many years put me in good stead and always sort of ran down my throat basically <laughs> telling me you know that marketing is everything because everything you do and say says something about you whether you meant it or not and I think thinking of marketing like that will hold you in very good stead because I think especially in rural areas maybe I'm a little bit tainted because I am from you know a rural area you know, I, I market in the supermarket, you know, I, I have people ask me questions in the supermarket, whether it was in my retail days or even now, um, you know, when you go to the bank, you're always on show, you're always marketing and, you know, the way that you act and the way you treat people and that, that all becomes part of your branding, whether you wanted it to or not. Yeah, I think that is, that is such a good point. By the way, Kartik said, thank you. Thank you for answering the question. Great inputs. Um I think that when we're thinking about branding, like a lot of people think about, or when we're thinking about marketing, people think like, oh, it's like my my logo and it's like what we say about ourselves. 
And it's like, well, actually it's more about like who you show up to be. So your example of like being in the shops, like that's how I think it's like, well, I guess, especially from a small business perspective, we kind of are our business, right? So it's like, for me, like, and so many times my husband always laughs at me because he's like, oh, you're networking again. I'm like, I'm always networking. We'll be at a barbecue on a Sunday at a mate's place. And I'm just like, someone will say something and I'm like, oh, actually, blah. <laughs> and he's just like, how do you stay on? Like all the time, I'm like, because it's actually me. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> We live, we breathe it. We have dreams and nightmares about it. Like that's just what we do. Absolutely. We analyse TV shows and analyse oh ads God. and yeah. we just never, ever switch off. I heard like apparently um, Mark Ritson was saying something about one of my friends is doing a course with him at the moment uh, online and he was saying like, Oh, you know, um, once you're a marketer, like you can't unbe a marketer. So it's like, you I mean, I'm not quoting verbatim, but it's like you can't unsee things. So like when I see an ad, I'm like, I don't know what a consumer is seeing because <laughs> like I'm always deconstructing the ad and being like, what are they trying to do? And I'm like, you know, and and this is oh, this is the motivation that they're trying to like hit on. These are the pain points that we're and you you can't see it anymore. You don't know. <laughs> no, I, I'm terrible to be marketed to because I just see things differently. And I have to say, I had this gorgeous little moment probably about two months ago now. My daughter, so I have three children, 20, 17, and 16. So my 16 year old daughter was watching some sort of TV show with me, and an ad came on, and we both watched the ad and she must have heard me grunt at the ad and she turns around she says I know mum who on earth is the target market for that ad (laughs) I was like oh yay (laughs) someone listens (laughs) the one and she was right I had no idea who they were targeting it was ridiculous (laughs) the ones that used to get me I used to get like so fired up and like email brands and stuff was when it would be like nappy sand and all of a sudden it's just like mums doing all the housework taking care of all the laundry and I was like you're just perpetuating this like (laughs) stop it (laughs) men can do laundry it is possible you know like and I'm like and even if it is a woman doing the laundry like we would much rather see like a hot guy like doing the laundry holding a baby you know like think about it (laughs) yeah make your ad more memorable I wanted to ask you as well about, because we talked about sort of being on all the time, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is that there can be this push, I think, in uh, marketing to be perfect. Like I've got to get the creative exactly right and I can't go out without like a proper logo and unless our Facebook page has like a thousand followers, then we shouldn't even promote it because then people are going to know, you know, those. there's a lot of hesitation, I think, with promotion. And I think also perhaps there's a bit of that, you know, this, and I actually love this about Australians is we, we don't sit there and like promote ourselves 24 seven. We're not like, yeah, I'm the best and I'm awesome and you should work with me. Right. And that, that's very endearing. I like that. We're not like that. But what's your thoughts on sort of that? Like, you know, how self-promotional ca- can you be? And also, you know, should you be worried about making mistakes? You definitely shouldn't be worried about making mistakes unless they are really bad for your brand, Um, you know, because we all make mistakes and we all have crappy days. And even though LinkedIn isn't the spot for me to tell you about my crappy days, um, Instagram is. 
So, you know, some of my best Instagram posts, uh, you know, when I'm actually just saying, you know, I've had a crappy week, you know, I've sent an email out that, that you know, had spelling mistakes in it. Um, you know, I, I can't even, I can't even remember the most of it. Oh, I put um, twice. I've done it. I'm not going to tell you what episodes because you're not going to go listen to them. But twice I've put up the wrong episodes for my podcast. I'm up to episode 72. So out of 72, I've buggered up twice. And one of them I swore in because it wouldn't work. So I'm like, you know, and it's recorded and I've put it out there to the world and some beautiful person has uh, kind of texted me in the middle of the night and go, did you realise that you've said the F word on your podcast? <laughs> so, you know, what can I do but own that and just sort of, you know, take it down, redo it. But, of course, as a podcaster, you know that if someone's downloaded that, there's no taking it back. It's out there for the world to see. Anyone you won't get it, but anyone who's, you know, an avid listener of your podcast, that's it. There's nothing you can do except put it out there and apologise and just say, hey, I'm human. And would it have wrecked my brand? Maybe. Maybe I got people who were like, nah, she's too unprofessional. She clearly doesn't know what she's doing versus someone else who would have went, oh, my God, she's so my person, not perfect. You know, I, I like what she says and now I realise she's human as well. So, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, I love that. Actually, confession, I've done the same thing. I had one podcast show uh, where I said – uh, it wasn't swear. I do sometimes have guests swear and sometimes I forget to take that out. But I usually I usually am pretty good, I think. But I did have one where I was like, uh, you know, like I'm recording myself. It was like just me on the episode rather than an interview. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. But I put the naughty word in there as well. <laughs> in pure frustration. I didn't realize I shared it. I actually, for that particular one, I also tagged a couple of people in the, because it was a, one of my earlier shows. And I was like, these people I really respect. And I know that they wouldn't mind if I like mention them. I'm like, Hey, I mentioned you in the show today, tag them in the post as soon as it's been released. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> but you know, like you said, like, you, you know, I found the same thing in terms of just like, um, there's things that I have done that I'm like, oh, that would definitely annoy people. And I know some people don't like me, probably lots of people don't like me, but I'm like, but I also know that those same things are what makes one me salient. Uh, so people actually notice what I'm saying or pay attention, but not so much that it's more that they connect with me. Like, oh yeah, you're human. And like, when you were sharing that mistake thing, I was like, yeah, like that just makes me feel closer to you because I'm like, that's exactly what I've done, exactly the same thing. And it's good to know someone else has as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And certainly, you know, with uh, my enormous group, I've made a lot of enemies. But like, there is a lot of people who want to advertise in a group that is so big and so active. I know there's a lot of big groups out there, but being so active is it's that's its sale point. And they'll go hammer and tongs at me because I won't let them on because they don't reach, you know, they they don't fit into the criteria. And I've got to stand by, you know, my criteria. 
Nigeria and put up with, you know, people. And, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it when they send me screenshots of things that I've done wrong. I'm like, oh, man, I'm falling in love with you. Oh, that's just that's just near trolling, I think, isn't it? Like at that point you kind of go. Oh, mm, that stage I really do feel like just letting them know that, you know, there's kind of no one else. So if you yeah. kind of upset me, you know, you, you, you're not getting more chances type of thing. But, it, you know, and I guess it comes down to the morals and values uh, and of our businesses outside of my group as well. Like I want to attract people who, you know, are my people and the people who frown upon the fact that, you know, I made a mistake on my podcast, they're not my people and that's okay. I can deal with that and, you know, hopefully attract other people who are my people. And it sort of goes back again to, you know, the the brand value stuff that you said before, which I just think is such a great point. Like, uh, you know, so many of us will make decisions based on, you know, the money side. I think that generally gets pushed in collaboration. So how much money can I get out of this person or how much reach can I get out of this person? Mm. But, you know, the right club, I mean, you know, from personal experience, some of the best collaborations I've had have been with people who have very small audiences. It's not that they have this big audience size. It's not that, but it's like, oh, we just really are similar. We've got the same values and my clients will love you and your clients will love me. And and we don't have to have heaps of them, you know. Um, so I... Yeah. And some of my best um, collaborations have come from people who are actually in the same industry as me. We do slightly different things, but we're marketers. Um, and, you know, definitely all about abundance and there's enough, you know, that, work for everyone and there has to be there's a marketer for every corner of every street in Australia I swear but uh, you know so some of my collaborations have come from you know people who are actually not my competition but definitely in the same industry as me but you know we have um, similar brand values and we know what we both want to get out of it and we're very upfront about that so um, don't always look at your competition as um, you know necessarily a a negative thing when you're thinking about who you can collaborate with yeah I I completely agree and you know the other thing I always think about is like there's different types of marketers right so like I mean you said there's but it's even like you've got the creative marketer who is completely different to like the tech and analyst type person or the marketing specialist who just knows like HubSpot super well or active campaign really like there's so many different like and it's well you said marketing is everything before it's sort of like saying like business as well right like if if we're saying that businesses can't collaborate because they're all businesses that would be crazy I kind of feel like it's the same with marketers it's like there are so many and I've found exactly the same thing it's like and it's fun it's like especially when you run a small business and I mean especially during a time where you're working remotely it is so nice to reach out to someone who you're like oh, you get me, we're on the same page and we have the same interests, you know, like you and me, Jen, really. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But we do completely different <laughs> things. I love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. So, so, Jen, we've got to finish up in a minute, but I really like, I mean, there's lots of places I'd love to send people because you, you do lots of cool things. Um, so I'll make sure we put all the links to, you know, your podcast and everything. But for people who want to get in touch or they want to find out more about your Facebook community, um, what's the best way for them to do it from here on LinkedIn or, or from Facebook? 
Yeah, of course. Um, certainly, you know, get in contact on LinkedIn, you know, send me a little message. Um, you know, if we're not already connected, you know, connect in. Let's just, um, you know, have that connection and see where uh, a LinkedIn friendship, of course, can go. Um, you know, you can always send me an email as well or come across it onto Facebook and follow, you know, uh, Social Media and Marketing Australia. Um, yeah, or really, I, I think... You'll get to know me uh, the best probably by um, connecting on LinkedIn or listening to the podcast. You get to hear this dulcate tone every single Thursday. <laughs> Love it. Well, make sure obviously you'll be tagged in the post once we finish this um, streaming this as well. And and Jen, if um, if people want to find out more about your – did you mention your website link? I mean, I'll put that in here as well. But do you have a website for people to go to? I do. So it's socialmediaandmarketing.com.au. Awesome. Jen, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. I feel like we're going to... Thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is just the beginning. But thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very jealous. LinkedIn, if you're listening, I'm very jealous I don't have LinkedIn Live. So um... we need to make that happen. LinkedIn, we need to make that happen. We need to get this lady on LinkedIn Live. (laughs) Yeah, stop rejecting my applications. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening again. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Beautiful. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Yeah.